HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Two percent, two percent, two percent. Uh, the two percent's right over here. Oh, hey, Jenna. I didn't know you shopped here. Uh, yeah, anything to support local food, know what I mean? I definitely do. Though that's not the only thing you do in the name of Good Eats, obviously. Well, true. I also host Eating Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. Be sure to tune in. All right, gotta get the plug in there, I get it. Yep, I'm hashtag shameless. You know what else you can do to support the local food community, right? Well, yeah. Make a donation to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. That's right. And I gotta call you out on the whole local thing. What do you mean? Well, The Farm Report, A Taste of the Past, Japan Eats. Those are shows that take you around the country and the world. I'll give you that. So how can listeners give their support? It's pretty easy. Just go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the big red heart in the top right corner. It's pretty easy from there. Thanks. Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit cane5.com. Hi, this is Katie Kiefer from What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, and this is the 114th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today's show is an on-the-road special on the 14th annual Tales of a Cocktail, which took place from July 18th to 24th in fabulous New Orleans. In the studio today, we have a seasoned Tales pro to talk about her role at the festival. Plus, we have an interview with a talented NOLA restaurant team. First, I'm going to start out, as I do on every show, with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game. Actually, we have two speed rounds today, so stay tuned for that. And we have industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and at the end, the final question. 
So as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to do you. Take care of yourself and put your needs first. Don't think of it as being selfish, but rather as being smart. And don't worry about what's cool or what others think or about trying to do it all. It's your life, and it's important to be true to yourself. So do what's right for you always. That's my tip today. So as I mentioned, today's show is on Tales of a Cocktail, the premier cocktail festival in the Big Easy, highlighting what's new now and next in the spirits industry. With attendance of over 10,000, this annual event, which was founded by Ann Tunerman, featured more than 200 seminars, plus tastings, competitions, and parties, and I mean parties with a capital P. So this was my first year attending, and I'm a non-drinker, so it was a lot to take in. To help me recap the show, I'm going to be having on a guest who is someone who's been to Tales, I think, 12 times. Um, She is going to be on the second half of the show. So on the first half, we are going to do an interview that I did down in New Orleans, where I sat down with Sakale's chef, Samantha Carroll, and chef de cuisine, Bradley Andres, at their beautiful restaurant in New Orleans, Warehouse District. So Sakale is set in an old cotton mill, originally constructed in 1882, and their food, they're known for a modern take on Cajun and Creole cuisine, plus craft cocktails. So I had met Samantha and her husband, Chef Cody Carroll, at the Worlds of Flavor Conference in Napa earlier this year. They were so lovely, I made it a point to stop by and visit. And um, Cody was out of town, but I was able to sit down with Samantha, and I met Bradley. And uh, so here coming up is our interview. We talk about everything from what it's like to have tales in their hometown to favorite cocktails and bars. And it starts out with Samantha explaining Sakale's cuisine. So here we go. But Sakale is based on everything that you can farm, hunt, and fish in Louisiana. And our whole premise is basically everything that inspires us and that you can grow, that you can hunt. Stick to all locally raised and grown products. So it's, we're very, we were farm to table before farm to table became a movement. We're here at Tails, and you guys have a big event tomorrow night. Yeah. Jägermeister, I've been told. <laughs> yes. yes. So what's, what's going down here? Oh my gosh. So all the different like makers and distillers throw like epic parties all throughout the city. They're kind of scattered at different times, and Jaeger. And take out the warehouse district. (laughs) And first party like this in the United States for Jaeger. Yeah. Really? So this will be a little experimentation on their part, a little experimentation on our part. They've done other events at Tails over the last 10 to 15 years, but nothing like what they're doing now. This is what they generally reserve for Europe. So it's, uh, we're the guinea pigs. Yeah. So what type of food are you going to be serving? Mixing in Jägermeister into dishes? <laughs> Mixing in Jägermeister flavors into dishes. Jägermeister has 53 distinct flavors and spices and herbs and spices. Yeah. So we're doing wild boar shortbreads with a red bean biscuit, bone marrow stuffed squid, chocolate bread pudding, fennel on glaze, roasted cracked fennel on top of that. Thing on the board, what am I oh, chicory yeah. and 
Coco Brazala, pure Brazala, venison Brazala. It's really good. Uh, yeah, it's crazy good. And they're gonna have snowballs. They're gonna be beignets with like the Jaeger, Jaeger glazed beignets. What's your take on tails? Like when when it comes to town, as being a restaurateur here. How do you prepare for it? It's a whole different animal. I mean, being in the restaurant industry, you're used to like different food shows, different trade shows, but Tails is so intense. It is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> and it's like as soon as it starts, like you know, even the preamble, like on the way up, like you know it's coming, you know it's coming, and then when it gets here, it's just like so much going on. All the parties, all the tastings, all the seminars. It's just, and it's scattered throughout the city. It's not like they just occupy one hotel and you just go bounce from, like, conference room to conference room. It's, right. It takes over the whole city. It's the largest cocktail convention in the world. It's so many professionals, too. Yeah, so people from all over. You're meeting, you're meeting people from everywhere from Australia to Toronto to Russia in the same night, which is amazing for us, that global exposure, but at the same time, it's just... I love how they expanded the whole idea of Tales of Cocktail because it's not just about the liquors anymore. It's about like the products that the bartenders are using, like, the different knives that they cut citrus with now. Like they have boots for that now. Yeah. And then you know the syrups. Like last night we had the people here from the Wild Hibiscus Company, and they're all the way from Australia, and they're just a garnish. Like they're not even a liquor. So it's just crazy, just all the different components of a cocktail, all those presences are in the city. It's an important component, the yeah. garnish. Yeah. Yeah. So do you t- attend any of the, the parties, or is it more what comes to you here and hosting people? Well, this year we participated in the, in the whole Tales restaurant side okay. of it. So we produced a menu with two cocktails, it's three courses, people can come in and dine with us. Like, so it's kind of something kind of quick, and um, it's our, no decisions have to be made. Is this the first year they did that, or is that? This is the first year they did that. Oh, okay. But it's outside of like the basic like tails dinner. Like they they have they have a few throughout the city that are like the ones that they hard advertise. But now they've brought this into the game where they've opened it up to other restaurants. Like just make your cocktails and pair it with your food, and then it kind of again it like spread it it spread out all of the business throughout the city. What dishes are most popular here? Oh, gosh. We have a lot. I it's feel like they're all all-stars. Alligator, I heard. Yeah, alligator. alligator. Um, we were just talking about the Murr fries. The Murr are, fries. Have taken over quickly. The drum throats are very, very popular. Which well, I just had. Yes. Which was delicious. Which I never had before. <laughs> Lost fish. <laughs> Sam Lost and fish. Cody's uh, 2013 yeah. King of Louisiana Seafood Queen. Worlds of Flavor, too. We did that dish. Oh, your food at Worlds of Flavor was That was one of our great. Dishes. Yeah. And the alligator. That was like most of them. We just <laughs> we brought the all-stars. Uh, grilled oysters. Yeah. We make our own bacon in-house. And um, so that's like a huge part of that flavor in grilled oysters. I mean, it's fun for us because the menu's changing so often. We have a couple. I think we're at like four. Probably four that have been here over a year, and we've been open about 15, 16 months at this point that have made it all the way through a year. And yeah. They're all great sellers, and they're, they're customer favorites, but everything else, it, it kind of comes and goes as a micro-seasonal change. Yeah. You know, if something makes it a month, it's a long time for this restaurant. Yeah. 
So, and we, we'll revisit frog legs. This is our second set of frog leg dishes. Right now, frog legs are out selling everything almost two to one. But it'll be gone in ten days, and we'll be on to the next season. Yeah. Well, what do you think is the it cocktail now, and what, or what's your favorite cocktail? You can answer either or both. Like in general, like yeah, like what's hot now? Like oh. they, well, actually, they said this this tales of cocktail was called um, the year of the mule with the Moscow mule. Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like that for sure is. I mean, I feel like everywhere now you go, they have the copper cups. Some yeah, some version of the mule. Um, we actually we have a horse's ass, which is a carbonized version of the mule. We carbonize our own horse's ass. <laughs> yeah, we call it horse's ass. <laughs> so basil Hayden, uh, lime, mint, ginger brew, ginger brew, which is a local company, Hoo yeah. Ginger Brew. And we carbonize that and put it into a soda pop bottle. We carbonize our own drinks here. Um, I think that's one of the trendiest things. There's some version twist. What's well, a Moscow, Kentucky? Um, that local ginger brews are what's making a storm into the scene. So. Right. I think just infused cocktails is blowing up. It doesn't really matter the flavor, but everywhere you go now, there's always some kind of liquor that they infuse with something. Yeah. It's kind of like people upping the ante a little bit. Absolutely. What about bitters? It's something I feel... I feel like the bitters market has exploded yeah, in the last five years, maybe. Yeah. That's I mean, what I noticed. Like, I don't think I knew about bitters beyond five years ago. Right. And I think people are getting more creative with it. There's one locally that's made here that we like to use, and he uses his crawfish boil bitters. And what? Yeah. Chicory coffee bitters. And oh my God. Cucumber. They have one. And then he has the fun ones like Voodoo Love, like crazy names where it's like a whole bunch of spices and things just mixed together. It's quintessential New Orleans and a little bitty bottle that can make sense for the rest of the world too. They just have to be used in New Orleans cocktails. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Who would have thought Louisiana would have had like a local bitters company like that, that like showcased flavors like that? It happened. So cool. Yeah. I like a, um, a Martinez. I really like it. I like aviation cocktails, but I like when people play around with it. I, I know one of the founders of aviation. Oh, really? The founder. I don't know. Ryan McGarrian. He's out in Portland. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I don't think he's here this year, but I just, I know of aviation from him. I think last year's tales was um, centered around the daiquiri. Yes. So, but like the frozen version, because they wanted to amp up the whole, you know, Louisiana is the only place you can come and get a drive-through daiquiri. Like you can, like whenever you go get a hamburger or something like that, you can get alcohol drive-through. It's crazy. What's your after-work go-to industry bar? I mean, Rusty Nails right down the street. Yeah. Barrel Proof is within walking distance, and I think Avenue Pub. Avenue Pub. Both of those places you walk into, and okay. you turn around and there's 50 cooks and front yeah, of the house managers and all industry. <laughs> people which is amazing because then you see a look on their face and you have that look on your face and like wow it was a rough day so those are both great yes one of my favorites just to stop in it's on Bourbon Street but it's um Laboo's. It's the one connected to the Royal Sinesta that's like open shutter yeah. windows. So you yeah. can just like basically walk in and there's four doors. You can see the whole I thing. I walked by there. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And uh, we know the bartender, the bartender Tommy. Fantastic. We've been knowing him for a while before we had a restaurant in New Orleans. And it's another good one. Cure is great. Yeah. Uh, Compare Le Pen has an amazing bar program. Yeah. 
how do they? I was by there the other night. They are. Uh, close space. Very, absolutely beautiful space in mean, the old 77. I mean, what they're doing is very cool. It's hard. I mean, the city was so non-progressive five to ten years ago, and now you're seeing this huge push towards the alcohol scene, towards the gastric scene. Yeah. And people love it. It's fantastic. You just got to find that niche and what you're in the mood for. Yes, you do have to find your niche and what you're in the mood for. So that was Sakale's Samantha Carroll and Chef de Cuisine Bradley Andres. And uh, I just loved seeing them and having their food and getting to know from their perspective what what Tails is like uh, being a local, local New Orleans-ers, NOLA-ers. I'm not saying that right. But anyways, on that note, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk with my special guest here. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. And this one is Relax. It's just the end of the world by Star. We'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Okay, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. Today's show is on Tales of a Cocktail, which just took place in New Orleans in mid-July. And I was down there, and my special guest in the studio today was also down there. It is Francine Cohen. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of Inside F&B, a leading online trade magazine that covers the food beverage and hospitality industries francine produced a wonderful chocano event with the trade commission of peru at tales and she did much more than that and i'm just excited to have her here in the studio so welcome thanks great to be here yeah no to get you out to get you all the way out to heritage and to bushwick and to roberta's well if, if you could come down to new orleans for me i can come out to brooklyn for you yeah well it was it was my first time and um I mean, I don't really need an excuse to go to New Orleans, but it was a good excuse. It's a great excuse to get down there. Um, you know, the festival was started, I believe it was 13 years ago, by Ann Tunerman with the express purpose of bringing not only the hospitality community together and bartenders and spirits companies, but also doing something for the city of New Orleans and creating a buzz and some economic um, viability. Or, revitalization at a slow time in that city's period. So it's really grown and and I'm so glad you made it this year. Yeah. Well, how many years have you been going? This was year 12. Wow. Dirty dozen. So I mean, I assume you'll be back next year. I mean, what's what has you hooked and how have you how have you seen it change since I mean, a dozen years later? I, what keeps bringing me back is the community and camaraderie and 
the education and the and the thirst for education that happens at Tales of the Cocktail. Um, the people who are attending, whether they are journalists like myself, they're brand execs, they're bartenders, they're spirits industry marketers or, or public relations people, there is this um, intense appreciation for knowledge and to further themselves professionally and to bond on a personal level. And there are also um, wonderful, wonderful opportunities to help the community, whether it's something like the big last day event, Pig and Punch um, event, which raises money for the KIPP schools in the area. And it's paired with a volunteer program earlier in the week. And then the Pig and Punch is out in the park and it's just a lot of fun and everybody's eating roast pig and drinking punches. Um, But also organizations do other things. Um, For instance, one of my other clients there was Cocktail and Sons. They're a local component syrups company and their summer seasonal syrup, the Switchel, is made with honey from bees grown at Capstone, which is a nonprofit organization in the Ninth Ward, the Lower Ninth Ward of Louisiana, which is one of the area's hardest hit um, by Katrina. And the whole gestalt of the organization is to be in that community and rebuild. So, you know, here was Cocktail and Sons um, working with brands, a number of them Pisco brands, as a matter of fact, to produce elements of their cocktails and a portion of proceeds are going to go back to the community. So there's there's a nice give and take there. And also yeah. um, the opportunity to, to touch some real local vendors. I know earlier on your show, you were talking to uh, the folks from Sacolet, which is an absolutely terrific restaurant and probably one of the best beard house dinners I've ever attended here in New York. I was so fortunate that they've come up. But... Um, you know, they are really locally focused and and um, Cocktail and Sons uses local Louisiana sugarcane for their products. Bayou Rum, which was an event I didn't get to at Tales this year, uses local Louisiana sugarcane. Um, Montagna Rum also relying on Louisiana sugarcane farmers who knew that Louisiana was our sugarcane state, but apparently it is the most northern state where they do grow sugarcane in this country. Who knew? Live and learn, right? And 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 you think it's just booze. Exactly. And what was the other thing I learned? It's not New Orleaners. It's New Orleanians. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good call them know. what you want, just call them. I bet I bet there's other people at Tales maybe that call it that. Or maybe I'm the only one. You You're never unique. know. I am unique. <laughs> and I did go to your Peru event, so which was fantastic. So Thank how did you. that how did that come about? Um the Trade Commission of Peru in Miami oversaw that event and a spirited dinner the night before, Thursday evening, which was held on the rooftop of the newly opened Catahoula Hotel. And this is year two for the Trade Commission being at Tails. And their intent is to spread the Pisco word as far and wide as possible. Pisco is um, a great base brandy made in Peru. And it's not all that 
familiar to a lot of bartenders. There's some, I, I hate to say unfamiliarity after I've said it's not that familiar, but there's, there's a lack of knowledge of how to use it. And, and the truth is that anything your white spirit can do, Pisco can probably do, do too. Rum, it can even stand in for or work with. And the whole point of the Chilcano chill out, in addition to offering people incredibly creative, refreshing takes on this classic Pisco cocktail, um, was to show some versatility. The Chilcano is one of four classic cocktails in Peru, along with the Pisco Sour, the Pisco Punch, the El Capitan. And while at its heart it is Pisco and ginger ale and lime juice and bitters, simple, easy peasy, um, there are so many variations on it. And with some of the world's best bartenders there, like Roberto Melendez, who was in joining us from Lima, Peru, um, Ivy Mix and Jim Kearns and Charlie Moore and uh, Nathan Dalton and Alba Huerta, they all came up with a unique take on it. So we saw everything from um, perfect puree, strawberry puree being included to the East India dry, dry Thai ginger ale. I'll try saying that one fast. <laughs> um, Jim Kearns used kava and rosemary in his. Ivy had um, a star anise garnish, and it was just super simple and crisp and clean. And um, Alba and Charlie did great, great drinks, but what excited me the most about theirs was they introduced me to Topo Chico, which is a Mexican mineral water that we haven't yet gotten here on the East Coast. So it was kind of cool. And through all these drinks, I think everybody really got to see what Pisco could do, how easy it was to work with. And I'm sure along the way, there was some education about the fact that only eight grapes go into making Pisco. There are only eight grape varietals that they'll use. Um, it's distilled. It's not watered down. It rests instead of ages because it's put in non-reactive uh, vessels. So you really have to know what you're doing and, and be pure and perfect with your spirit. And we just hope that everybody got a taste of Peru through the setting, through the cocktails, and will go back to their own bars and restaurants and home bars and noodle around with it. There are more and more brands coming in every day, and Peru is very proud of its national beverage. Yeah, well, I think people are most familiar with Pisco Sour, if I, at least from yes. my perspective. And because Chilcano, I wasn't that aware of before your event, to be honest. And I, I looked it up and it said, I found out it's also sometimes called Chilcanito. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of that. Yeah, I Googled, I Googled that. I, that came up. And um, I have a trip to Peru coming up, and you introduced me to wonderful people from the country. I'm so excited to, to, to just see, see it, you know. Yeah, you'll have to go there and, and try some Chilcanito. Um, I also have some other recommendations for you. I, I suggest that you do a deconstructed Leche de Tigre cocktail. 
Um, with, that whatever that is sounds so cool. Deconstructed cocktail. Yes. It's, it's essentially the essence, the juice from a ceviche. Um, the citrus that is used to just quick cook, for lack of a better term, the fish sits at the bottom of the bowl and sort of melds with everything else and becomes this savory deliciousness. And you can deconstruct the drink and drink it on its own, or you can pair it with, um, you know, a couple ounces of Pisco and sort of mix and match it to your taste. Personally, I love the Pisco, but happy with the leche on its own. I gotcha. So let me ask you my question that I had on my, my show and Episode 113, I had on top restaurant consultant Clark Wolf of Clark Wolf and Company. So he wanted to know, since we're talking about Peru, has the climate change had an impact on the ingredients and cuisine of Peru? What's really interesting about Peru is that it is a country that encompasses every single environmental growing climate. Um, You go from the seashore to the mountains, to the jungle, to the desert. So there is so much that can be grown there and so much that does grow there. Um, And everything, I should even say harvested because you don't grow shrimp, but shrimp is a big product uh, coming out of Peru, as are asparagus and avocado and olives and uh, pisco grapes, of course. And... um, and peppers and potatoes. And what's what's really warmed up, and this is where, where warming is important, is that trade relations between Peru and America have warmed up. So soon, and this will excite chefs in the States, soon chefs will be able to get um, the exquisite peppers and Possibly some of the 3,000 varieties of potatoes that Peru grows that are not currently available here. Good to know. I'll definitely be trying some potatoes. And I will also take note to see if ABBA is being played. Because I don't know if you have a comment on that. But Clark, apparently, when he was there last time... There was a lot of ABBA. I'm I'm curious to know exactly when he was there. You know, like two years ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so about eight or ten years ago, if not longer, um, it was really popular, and it seems not to have waned. the The funny ABBA Pisco connection is Lizzie Asher and Melanie Asher are sisters who own a company called Masha Pisco, and. They have sub-brands, one of which is La Diablada. And their La Diablada bottle name is actually ABBA. And it wasn't that they named it, but the manufacturers, they laid out, here are all your bottle options said, and this one is, you know, named David, and this one is named Orly, and this one is named ABBA. And Lizzie, having such an affinity for ABBA, having grown up, decided she needed the ABBA bottle. So I guess it's still big in Peru. Everything goes full, full circle. <laughs> I don't think ABBA will ever stop being popular in yeah. Peru or yeah. elsewhere. Well, good to know. Um, it's time we have to take another break here, but we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game, which will be a lot of fun. Awesome. Can't so wait. Stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
this one is called Let's Not by Shadowbox. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bear. My guest today is Francine Cohen. And we just got pizza delivered in here, and it smells damn good. Oh, and it looks so good, too. <laughs> Anytime there's pepperoni, it makes me happy, but this is gorgeous. Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see if we can eat and talk while we play the speed round. All so right. what this is is I'm going to name two or more things, uh, either or situation, and you just pick your preference. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? I can't pick one. Okay. (laughs) Tasting menu or a la la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Both. Both. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Pisco Sour or Chocano? Goodness, both. I thought you'd probably get stuck on that one. (laughs) How about Carousel Bar or Arnaud's? Oh my gosh, the charm of Arnaud's. Yeah, I went there. It does have charm. It's special. And and their palm, I'm going to mispronounce it. Palm frites? Palm frites with that Bernays is breathtaking. <laughs> Although Michael LaMonaco here at Porterhouse New York does a killer version of it. Good to know. Yes. Good, Good resource. Okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn or New Orleans? Manhattan 11 months of the year in New Orleans for at least two weeks. I have no comment. It works. <laughs> Done. That's the game. And you got the speed of the game. So good job. Thanks. 
Now, special bonus on today's show, we have another speed round that I did with the Sacolate team. So um, here we go. Listen in. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Tasting menu. Okay. Yeah. Don't feel bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I don't like tasting menus. I feel like sometimes after you're like dining out for the seventh time, uh, <laughs> you're like, no. I can't do another we, tasting yeah, menu. Yeah, no, we hit trips and we're in different places. You don't see so many tasting menus, but I think... We'll both get worn out. Cody will same thing, get worn out. Like a 26-course menu. Like, let's just go get a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like hot dogs. We like corn dogs. Yeah. I, I feel you. I get it. But tasting venue. Okay. Like, especially if it's special. Okay. A few more. Uh, communal table or chef's counter? Communal table. Yeah. yeah. I feel like when I'm at a chef's counter, I'm working. Because I'm like... I gotta watch everything. Maybe. It's hard for us to break away. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. How about small plates or large plates? I hate the term small plate, but that's what small I want. Plate. More options. More options make sense. What about tipping or all inclusive charge? That's tipping. a big topic in New York. Tipping, you're, yeah, y'all are in another market, but I worked in Europe. It's, it's different. We're from the South. We want to show our gratitude. We want everybody to be happy and express our gratitude to them, but tipping all the way. Yeah. Okay. How about cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate as dessert. <laughs> dessert. <laughs> I like that. And uh, Manhattan or Brooklyn or New Orleans? Uh, Nola all day. Yeah, Nola. We love New York, but... I love New York, but... Yeah. You crave home, just like you crave good food. <laughs> yeah, crazy. yeah. No, I always throw in a couple bonuses. Those, those are the standard ones. Let me think. How about po'boy or muffaletta? Po'boy. Po'boy. All day, every day. Where? Uh, Parkway. Mahoney's is really oh, good. Yeah. Oh, what's that uh, other place I tried the other day? Um, it's a place in Lakeview called Kotz's. It's like K-O-Z-S or K-O-T-Z-S. Okay. That's good. They do like deli style. They like roll it up, wrap it up in paper. Parkway baby maker. Yeah, Parkway definitely. How about just because I learned of this place today, between Cafe Du Monde and there's Beignet Cafe, Cafe Beignet, Cafe Beignet, Cafe Du Monde. I haven't been to Cafe Beignet, but I'm considering popping by tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the second speed round. And I didn't stop by Cafe Beignet, but I did go to Cafe Du Monde because I feel like you ha- you must. You must. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't leave New Orleans without some beignets. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll have to say it was like uh, my, my Cafe LA and beignets, and it was six bucks total. It's like it's perfect little snack it at is. one in the morning. Exactly when you should be there. (laughs) Yeah, so. Okay, so let's talk a little industry news. Uh, Yesterday, Bon Appetit came out with its 50 finalists of its Best New Restaurants 2016 in America. This is created by Andrew Knowlton and Julia Kramer. And um, I don't know, this gets, you know, it's... they go around the country, they pick 50, and then they narrow it down to 10, which that list will come out on August 16th. And uh, the New York City restaurants that were picked were Mimi, Superiority Burger, Tay Company, Bargato, and Wild Air, 
been to all of them. They're all fabulous. They're all pretty casual, I have to say. That's my... But that always seems the Bon Appetit direction. It seems like it's been gotten more casual. It has gotten more casual, I think, in terms of setting. But I feel like the quality of food remains at an absolute high point. Yeah, that's true. I guess setting-wise is true, what I'm referring to. Most of these places, I mean... I don't think any, well, I don't think Mimi might have had white tablecloths now that I'm thinking back, but they're not, they're all, it's a bistro. It's a bistro, or in the in the case of Kenta's Bar Goto, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a Japanese cocktail bar with phenomenal okonomiyaki that you just crave. Phenomenal wings. It. Phenomenal wings, Fabulous. yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's something to drive you back downtown over and over again. Yeah, so I don't know. Do you have any comments about this list? or? Um, I, well, certainly, you know, I applaud the editors for all the eating they had to do. <laughs> Heck of a bit of research. I was super excited to see two things. Um, Benjamin Souclé, and I might be mangling his name, um, up in Rhode Island does killer, killer food and super talented, and I'm really glad to see him getting some national recognition. Um, The other thing was small markets like Richmond, or I think it was Richmond, not Norfolk, are becoming food destinations. So what people almost disparagingly refer to as secondary and tertiary cities are really places where their locals are caring about food and, and caring about dining and cuisine. And it's a far cry from what it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's nice to see. Yeah, it is nice to see. And you've been following the food industry now for a while. I mean, I know you certainly know the spirits and beverage industry very well, but when when did you launch Inside F&B and, and get so involved in food and beverage? Well, I launched Inside F&B um, about 10 years ago, I think. I feel Sounds like about been, right. Yeah, it feels about right. I don't know. It was it was a snowy night, and I was sitting at Lewis 649, which is now Mace, and we went live, and it was very exciting. Um, but I, I would say I've actually been involved since I was two. Um, my father and my mother loved to eat out. My father loved being a regular at restaurants, and... So we always got special treats whenever we went somewhere. And there was this one restaurant we went to all the time. And I was a little, little kid. And I ordered the same meal every time. It was escargot and a salad with gorgonzola dressing. At two. At two. And an unsweetened diced tea <laughs> and a Napoleon. And I guess, like, after a couple of weeks of this happening, the chef wanted to know who was coming in every Tuesday night and ordering this. And when they found out it was a two-year-old, it was like, this is nuts. So the routine became... We'd walk into the restaurant. My parents would be swept off to their table. Somebody would take me by the hand and parade me through the kitchen where I got to do my little princess wave and got fed bits of food off the line, which I'm sure if the health department had seen, they probably wouldn't have liked. But I thought it was great, and I've been hooked ever since. Wow. Yeah. And how do you define your role now with everything you're doing? under the Inside F&B umbrella? You know, I'm wearing a lot of different hats um, because I've had the good fortune of not only being in and around kitchens since I was so little, but being in New York since the late 80s when restaurants really took off and, and we're talking about, 
you know, Charlie Palmer and Larry Forgione, et cetera, doing their things and so on and so forth. Um, I've got this nice history and experience that allows me to jump between straight journalism and writing about things and having some insights. So the consulting side of my business is really very strong right now. I'm doing a lot of strategic marketing and branding and helping people find their voice and tell their stories. And um, it's, yeah. it keeps me busy on top of all the charity work that I do with Les Dames de Scoffier and City Meals on Wheels. Wonderful. Well, yeah, no, it's incredible. And we've known each other for a long time. So yes, we have. It's great to have you on here. And we're going to take one more break and uh, come back and do my, my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Galatoire's. Here's the rundown. Am I saying it right? It is Galatoire's. Okay. And it is a magical place. I don't know. You looked at me funny, and I pronunciation is not always my strong point, so uh, glad I got it right. Okay. Well, here's, here's the rundown. Location, 209 Bourbon Street in the French Quarter, New Orleans, Louisiana. The concept, Grand Dame of NOLA Old Line Restaurants, serving Louisiana Creole cuisine since 1905. The owners, fourth generation of Galatois family ownership. The chef, Michael Sichel. So why did I go? Because it's a classic. My experience. I arrived at 11.30 a.m. for my Friday lunch reservation to find a finely dressed crowd waiting to be seated downstairs, which is apparently the place to be seen. I waited to check in and was then escorted upstairs, to which I will call Siberia, as my reservation did not secure a seat on the first level. That was okay, though, because it was quite delightful and peaceful on the second floor, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. Now, after my lunch, it was pouring out, so the host offered to escort me through this very sceny first floor room to the lovely bar next door, where I waited out the rain over tea and with my laptop before heading to elevating the dive bar panel with Michael Neff of Holiday Cocktail Lounge, which was a great panel. Now, what did I get? I had the crab meat maison in an iced tea. My take, this simple crab salad may have been the best thing I ate on the trip, and that says a lot. You just can't beat fresh crab meat in New Orleans. The ambiance, elegant and traditional. The upstairs was serene. The downstairs was a party. Perfect for dressing up, there's a no shorts and t-shirts policy, and enjoying fine Louisiana Creole fare. Interesting tidbit, 
Author Tennessee Williams was a regular customer there and mentioned the restaurant in his play, A Streetcar Named Desire. Personal fun fact. During my trip, I also enjoyed other wonderful classic NOLA eats, including a shrimp po' boy at Johnny's, Muffaletta, a central grocery, char-grilled oysters at Felix's, and yes, I did have those beignets at Cafe Du Monde. The cost was $17, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? You bet. Website is galatoise.com. That's well, it. I'm so glad <laughs> that that you got that experience, and, and that should be your other first-time tales attendee tip for diners. Don't make a reservation at Galatoire's. Just go wait online. Yeah, but, you know, I picked the Friday lunch kind of by accident, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I was... I, I, I heard the people on that list when they opened the doors at 1130 right. had been waiting since, like, 9. So, I mean, you got... Or maybe you just get there early and put your name and then come back. Yes, you could do that. There are also professional line standards. Of course there are. That you can hire. <laughs> and this has been a New Orleans tradition for decades. Okay. But I honestly sitting upstairs, I had a lovely time. Good. Um it's just it's it was interesting to see this scene. Right. It really is a scene. It is quite the party and and one of the special delights about sitting downstairs is putting yourself in the hands of, you know, their old-time waiters like John, who will just say, this is what you're having for lunch right. today. But yeah. Michael's cooking is is really yeah. great, whether you're upstairs or down. Yeah. No, it was great. I'm glad I went. Me it's, too. Yeah. So it's time for the final question. So next week, I'm having on David Allen Bernal. He's the CEO of Coastal Luxury Management and... That includes Pebble Beach Food and Wine, L.A. Food and Wine, which is coming up at the end of August, and restaurants, Restaurant 1833 and Cannery Row Brew Co., which um, the guy's busy. I see him at events a lot. I don't know if you've ever met David, but I wanted to see if you could ask him a question. I have not had the pleasure of meeting him, but I've watched his events start up and grow over the last few years. Um, I'm impressed by what he's done and wondering... What impact he thinks he's having on dining in America? Because his events are very exclusive, beautifully curated, and executed in the most stunning settings, certainly with Pebble Beach. Um, And L.A., I think, you know, he started that before that whole food scene really started blowing up. So how much of an impact has he had on L.A.? It's true. I will find out. He's a great guy. Glad he's coming on. And you're a great gal. Glad you came on, too. Thank Thank you you. for having me. Oh, it was a pleasure. I mean, it was great seeing you at Tales. I I know, you know, it was it was great being there and seeing seeing this this big party in New Orleans and and the whole spirit industry come together and the camaraderie. And there was just a lot. There was just so much going on. There is head-spitting amounts of stuff going on at Tails, and I think the best thing you can do is go into it trying to remain calm, perhaps with an agenda, um, and just sort of go with the flow, and and while certainly if you've got obligations, meet them, but understand that you may drift off with a bunch of people you've never met before, and best thing to do is enjoy the moment. Absolutely. And I'm planning also to write a little piece on my 
my experience, my take, um, Heritage Radio has uh, a page on the Huffington Post, and so I'm planning to to sum that up sometime this week to go along with this show, so give a little more thoughts of, of my experience. Happy to share additional ones with you. Thank you. So my guest today has been Francine Cohn. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of Inside FMB. She's worked with the Trade Commission of Peru at Tales of a Cocktail. Her website's InsideFMB.com and social media at InsideFMB. Am I missing any other handles? No, that's it. Okay, Perfect. Tales of a Cocktail, you can find out more about everything that took place. Their website's talesofacocktail.com. Tales of the Cocktail. Tales of the Cocktail.com, as I didn't say, but yeah, I do know it's T O T C, so it's not T O A C. So yes, Tales of the Cocktail.com. And thanks again to Samantha Carroll and Bradley Andrews of Sacalay. Their website is Sacalay, well, it's Sac A. Lay.com and Lay is L A I T, like Cafe Ole. Exactly like Cafe Ole. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little confusing if you're just saying it on the radio. So, but check them out, and their Twitter is Sacale. I am at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. And uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to my engineer, Pierre, who helped pull this episode together and to my engineer today david who's awesome and uh both of them are awesome just love the heritage radio network team it's awesome and that's it that's our show so as a reminder you can always find our our episodes on stitcher on itunes on heritage radio network's website and um that's it we're gonna eat pizza now i'm sherry bayer thanks for being part of all in the industry bye Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. See what's down that road.